nowhere to run, ain't got nowhere to go. That phrase really could sum up the life and the times of Daniel and his friends. But as we've been talking about, it doesn't seem to unfold that way. Yes, they're, they're trapped. Yes, they're stuck. But even in that situation, we find that they thrive instead of just survive. And likewise, we find ourselves in the same kind of place at time to time. We find ourselves trapped or stuck. Uh, we feel like there's no place to go, no place to run, and we've got to live in this circumstance. Whether it was a circumstance that was created for us because someone did something, uh, whether it's something we did to ourselves, uh, whether it's the culture, the school, the, the workplace, uh, uh, relationships, the marriage, wherever we may be, we can find ourselves in these moments that sometimes aren't moments, sometimes they're months and months and months, sometimes it's a life where we just feel trapped and feel stuck. And 2,600 years ago, Daniel and his friends, probably 15 years old, maybe as young as 12, found themselves in a place like that. Home is gone. Parents are gone. Everything in their life is turned upside down. Yet, they are able to navigate through it. Yet, they're able to not just, again, survive, but they're able to thrive in that circumstance. Now, I may not understand your feelings of being trapped, uh, your feelings of being stuck. I, I may not be able to appreciate it only from a cognitive process, uh, from the mind, but not the heart, because I've not experienced it. But uh, again, these guys probably went through something that, uh, in a sense, eclipses whatever we're facing. And that's not to minimize what you're facing. It's not to minimize the place you're stuck. But when I think of their situation... Uh, the things that I've faced aren't even close to the things that they have faced. Now, it's interesting that as they get into this, and we've, we, you, know, you can catch up. This is, we've been in this for a few weeks now. Uh, you can catch up on podcasts. You can catch up on YouTube if you want to watch it or SoundCloud or those kinds of things. But you know, as, as we've walked through this, as, as we started to think about this, we, we we're discovering that these, these young men are able to, to, to hold on to who they are in spite of great pressure to conform to what's going around them. They're able to hold on to that. And it really begins for them, because we're reading between the lines a little bit, but, but as we try to fill in the blanks and say, how do 15-year-old boys live in the world that they're now living in? How do they, how do, they do that? And it comes to somehow their belief system had captivated them. And their belief system is what keeps them grounded. And that's one reason as we, again, have looked at different things. Uh, today we've uh, highlighted community Bible study. That, that is one of those avenues that helps us with our belief system, that helps us stay grounded. That's why right now there's kid zone going on out there. That's the reason there's Access Youth Group this afternoon. That's the reason there's a Awana on Thursday nights. That's the reason we're here in this room right now. Uh, that's why there are community Bible studies, because there's something about our belief system, and there's something about having a plan 
to develop that, to grow that, to engage with that, to own it, to hold on to, that is so crucial for life. Because without a plan, uh, we fumble, we stumble. And in this case, Daniel and his friends, somebody had had a plan for them. Maybe it was growing up in Jerusalem, even though it was kind of a crazy place to be. Maybe it was their parents. Maybe it was a friend of the family. Maybe it was a, they were nobility, so maybe there was some servants, or who knows, but, but somebody had a plan. This just didn't happen by accident. There was something intentional going on that caused them to be able to not only know their belief system, but to live their belief system. And, you, you know, that is, that, that, that's so crucial, and sometimes we forget that. Um, you know, when you think about planning, when you think about, when you think about being intentional about that belief system, uh, it's so important. Now, now there's, a, there's a great theologian. Uh, his name is John Hannibal Smith. He's from the A-Team. And when he talks about plans and concepts like this, this is, this is just one thing that he's recently uh, said is this, give me a minute and I'm good. Give me an hour and I'm great. Give me six months and I'm unbeatable. Well, how's that have to do with Daniel and his friends? I think that something had been going on for years before they got there. So in a, in a quick moment, man, good, maybe, you know, Hannibal Smith, he's awesome even at a moment. But, but for the rest of us, just a moment not so good. An hour, we might be able to have a little more preparation. But six months, a year, two years, three years, now we have some reserves. Now we have something in our life that has substance. Now there's something that we can withdraw. And for Daniel and his friends, there was this plan. There was this intentionality with their belief system. And so that when they get to the place where they're at, in a sense, they're unbeatable. They're unbeatable in amazing ways. And we've talked about some of the influences, some of the, pat some of the patterns for Daniel's life, specifically age 15 to probably 85. You know, he, he, he gives us an example for every age and stage of life. And that happened before he gets to Babylon, before the captivity. Hannibal Smith again says this, one step ahead of the game isn't a plan. Two to three steps ahead, beating an enemy's move before it is even made. Now that's a plan. So when you're thinking about your belief system, no matter what age you're at, having a plan, not just a step, not just on the fly, but really digging into it, and being a few steps ahead makes us more capable to stand up under whatever trap comes our way. Sometimes it means we don't get trapped up in it. Uh, sometimes it means that we have to live under the pressure of the trap forever. Uh, some of you have physical things, and, and it's not going to get better. You're, you're stuck there. That's the way it is. But again, trying to 
digest and figure out and be intentional about your belief system uh, makes it easier to, to navigate that through. I remember one of my small groups that I'm a part of, one of the men uh, talked about uh, a health thing that came up in his life. But when he had seen this health situation come up in other people's lives, he pre-planned how he was going to respond to it. And so when it came his way, man, one week one, we said, you know, these situations shouldn't surprise us. We live in a broken world. But when it came his way, he was just a little bit more equipped. And he was able to navigate through that with a whole different sense than if it had surprised him and he hadn't been investing in these ideas beforehand. Another great quote. You go, when's this guy going to get to the Bible? But another great quote. There's a plan in everything, kid. And I love it when a plan comes together. And you see that happening time and time again in the A-team, especially if you watch the old 80s uh, version of it. No one was ever hurt. It was amazing. Cards would flip over. Nobody was touched. But anyway, when a plan comes together, but a plan doesn't come together without planning. (laughs) It just doesn't happen. Some of us are lucky. Some of us experience the grace of God all the time because there's no forethought. But when there is, the plan comes together. And, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be a good guy not to show you a clip of how this works for the A-Team. The A-Team. Hey, come hey, on, look at me, look at him. He's only got eight seekers left. Captain, get us out of here. Hold on, just get ugly. Here we go. Come on, come on, baby, come on. Too. It happens all the time. 
Yeah, right. And except this, except that. Yeah, right. The idea, though, of having a plan, planning for your belief, planning, training for it, being aware of it, being a few steps ahead before you actually need it, understanding that. Daniel and his friends, we see in Daniel chapter 1, verse 4, you know, the Babylonians said this, make sure that they are well-versed in every branch of learning and are gifted with knowledge and good judgment. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. In other words, reprogram them, change them, make them into somebody new. Get all that heritage, all those ideas, all those concepts from Jerusalem, from their upbringing, from their faith, get them out of them. Eugene Peterson, when he renders these ideas in his paraphrase, says it this way, indoctrinate them in the Babylonian language, in the lore of magic and fortune-telling. This was the kind of environment they were going into. You may have a little bit of fear about your high school, your middle school, college experience, the place you work, uh, but when it comes to getting up to speed, to doing your job, to doing your schoolwork, I'm sure they're not teaching you the lore of magic and fortune-telling in the classroom. This was the environment Daniel and his friends are in. Yet again, they don't just survive it. They don't just blend in. They, they thrive. If you jump down to verse 8, verses 18 through uh, 20, you read this. At the end of their time, they took three years and did the program. And we talked about the details of that in prior weeks. But we read this. At the end of their time, set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. You see, they were able to navigate and live in that world. They were able to succeed in that world. But they didn't give up who they were. Why was that? Because they had a plan when it came to their belief system. They had an investment process. They didn't leave it up to chance. Somebody in their past put them in this, this program so they were there. Proverbs, uh, Solomon says it this way, invest in truth and wisdom, discipline and good sense, and don't part with them. The idea is that we intentionally invest ourselves in this area. And again, that just doesn't happen by accident. It concerns me, uh, uh, you know, and I, I'm prone to this too. It concerns me that those of us that uh, graduate from school, whether it's high school, trade school, college, wherever it is, that at that moment, we never crack another book. We never keep learning. We never keep stretching our minds. It's like over. Yet, if we're going to continue to grow in our belief system and have a belief system that shows up in the way we live, there needs to be an investment in that. There needs to be an all-in to that. 
Some of us will go through life and life will become a strong oak tree, at least looking that way outside. But because we haven't invested in truth and wisdom, because it hasn't been an active, regular, consistent part of our lives, when the storm comes, the tree falls over because it wasn't of substance inside. And that's not to make us feel bad. It's a, it's a warning. It's, a, it's good to know that. Because now you have an opportunity to do something. Now I have an opportunity to do something. I can say, what is my belief system? Am I growing in my relationship with God through Christ? Am I growing in wisdom? Am I investing in it? Do I actually have a plan? Some of us spend more time on our retirement plan than our spiritual growth plan. Enough said with that. And again, when it all comes together, all of a sudden we find the resources. There are people that we sometimes meet and we go, how can they handle that? How can they be stuck like that? How can they be in that trap and in function? It's because they had an investment. Because the resources, the spiritual depth was there when they needed to make a withdrawal. And then others, there is no depth there. Because they did not invest. They did not have their, the plan did not come together for them because there was no plan. You know, our bottom line for this morning is this. We make our training plan and our training plan makes us. You can't get away from it. We make our training plan and then our training plan makes us into who we are. If you've ever been an athlete or ever been into any kind of sports, you have your training plan. I have a brother-in-law who looks like he stepped out of a men's magazine. I hate him. You know, he's like 32 years old and he's all, you know. But, but the reason he's that way is because he has a training plan. I, he, he trains. We're there. He's running all the time, you know, doing all this stuff all the time. He has a training plate, and then he actually is able to go uh, do it. A couple years ago, he ran in the Boston Marathon because his training plan made him. Likewise, when it comes to our mind, our soul, our heart, maybe even what we'd say, the inter, uh, um, our insides, not just the outside, our training plan makes us. Proverbs says this, do yourself a favor and learn all you can, then remember what you've learned, and you will prosper. Put it into action. Remember is not just to be able to recite things. Remember is to actually live it out. We're doing ourselves a favor. When we turn off the learning, turn off the growth, and don't put it into practice, we lose. Because we're all going to face moments where we're trapped, we're all going to face moments where we're stuck. And we have this little time to kind of get that going inside. It's just like having a retirement account. We got a little time, so it all starts working. And the earlier we got it, the earlier all the money starts compounding interest and all that kind of stuff. It's the same thing as we design our training plan. It horrifies some of us to facing getting close to retirement and, and not have any of that lined up. It's horrifying to face a situation and not have the spiritual depth to face it what we could have. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and the life 
to come. It continues to give. We go from this chapter of life into the next chapter of life, eternity. And there's something that there's an equippedness, there's a faithfulness that carries on. Doesn't mean you're earning your way to get into heaven. Jesus paid the price. We'll celebrate that in just a few moments. Doesn't mean that. But there's something different for the person that lives a faithful life, a growing life, and crosses over into eternity to somebody who, yes, knows the Lord, but's never really been intentional about their growth. They shut that part off. Wisdom brings strength, and knowledge gives power. Knowledge, information, know-how. Wisdom actually practicing that know-how. Probably most of us in this room have a lot of knowledge. The question, do we, are we able to integrate it into actual life? That's wisdom. And that wisdom isn't found at a university. That wisdom is found in common sense, living life, in relationship to who God's made you and what God designs for you. See, it's pretty obvious, no plan is a plan. No plan is a plan. And when there isn't a plan, and we experience the no plan, uh, there's certain ways that we become vulnerable. We're, we're exposed. There's, there's weakness in our life if we're not growing in this area. If we're not making those regular, and I'm going to say daily deposits into our spiritual account, uh, there's an exposure, there's a vulnerability. Uh, one of the places, and we're just going to hit these, these are broad strokes. One area is we, we find ourselves acting before we think. Guilty. Anyone else guilty of that? If you didn't raise your hand, you're lying. Don't lie in church. Okay, thank you. Guilty. No plan means it's a little easier to act without thinking. I don't want to have those kinds of problems. Have you ever bought something without thinking? Yeah. Ever said anything without thinking? Oops, yeah. Don't hit the person sitting next to you. You know what I'm saying. Wise people, people that are intentional about growing, people that are intentional with a plan, think before they act. Fools don't. And they even brag about their foolishness. Sometimes you've got one of those stories. I've got one of those stories. I'm like, yeah, I did this. I was like, whoa, what are you saying? You know, that was, that was dumb. That brought in all these consequences. Acting without thinking. We spend all we earn. There's no restraint with our financial resources. We go crazy, and the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. And remember, anytime we're quoting a proverb, a proverb is a proverb, not a promise. There can be situations where you do it all right financially, and some unusual thing comes through and decimates your financial life. That happens. But normally, normally, when you're wise in this area, you'll be all set. So when we're not wise, when we're not making intentional uh, growth in our life and learning, uh, we have a tendency not to be wise with our finances. 
Also, we, we hurt those we love. We may not even be intentional about it. Hopefully you're not intentional about it. But, but your life has ripple effects into the people's lives around you. Your actions matter. Even the minor actions matter. And they have ripple effects. And, and when you're not growing in wisdom, when I'm not growing in wisdom, when I'm, when I'm not having a plan that's intentional, I end up unnecessarily hurting those around me. The wise woman, the wise man builds his or her house with her own hands, his own hands. The foolish one tears it down. We're thinking about a structure, but there are times where you and I, because of our lack of wisdom, lack of growth, lack of intentionality, actually tear down the thing we love. And it's not a house. It's a home. We tear it down. When we're not having a plan of continued spiritual growth in our lives, we're vulnerable to stuff like this. It's more possible. I'm sure this has happened to no one else, but we think we know it all. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others think we're all right you ever talk to someone that uh, just just doesn't even pause for a minute to think whether maybe you have, are saying something that is accurate or maybe you've been in that situation where you don't pause to think what somebody's saying to you is accurate you feel you know it all and you roll with that we think we know it all when we have no intentional plan to grow spiritually we'll find ourselves vulnerable to thinking we know it all. We're less responsive to God's leading in our life. There's been times where I've been ready to take a step, and it's not because anyone said anything to me. It's just all of a sudden in my inner life, I get this awareness, and I feel it's God's guidance saying, don't do that or do that. Well, if I haven't made deposits into my spiritual reserves, if you will, that, that baseline, that sensitivity is missing, not there. So then when I think I know it all and I'm going to go do something or not do something, I'm flying blind. Not a good place to be. Intentionally planning for spiritual growth. Because making a plan that will make you is key. So, so what, what does... What, do, what does that look like? Making a plan that will make you. Just a couple basic things. And, and this is fun. I can give you surface little basic parameters. And if you're serious, if you're serious about making a plan, you'll go run with it. I don't have to spoon feed you. Here's the 25 steps I would do. Here's the 25 books I'd read. Here's, no, no, all of a sudden it creates a hunger and a passion in your own soul, in your own heart, and you go for it. That's one of the signs of a mature Christian is that they feed themselves. It's cute when you feed a little baby and you're like, little plane, open wood, you know, and doing all that kind of stuff. When they're 35, it's no longer cute. Some of us are doing that spiritually. We want someone to come in and, oh, here you go. Here you go, big boy. And the guy's, you know, like 40 years old. 
Got to make a plan that will make you. These are just a prime the pump. When you and I want something, if we hear someone's at the office and say, oh, I went to vacation here, and you go, oh, I like that vacation place. All of a sudden, you're searching it out. You're figuring out how to do it. You're figuring out plane ticket. You're figuring it out. Use that same energy, that same passion for your spiritual growth. The results of that will be super significant compared to a nice week somewhere. I've already mentioned this, you know, being ahead of the game. So first one, and we've hit this really, never stop learning. September, I think it was 5th, 1989. I was married for just a little over a year. I was graduated from college. It was 7.30, and I usually get up early, but I was 7.30, I was still in bed. It was empty because Cindy was off to school because she was a teacher, and I laid in bed giggling. I don't have to go to school anymore, or I graduate from God, you know. And, you know, and, that, that's, and sometimes that's funny and everything like that, but that's foolish because I would never leave school. We never leave school, even though we want to leave school. It's lifelong learning. So you never stop learning. Wise men and wise women are always learning, always listening for fresh insight. Listening for fresh insight, looking, listening, trying to learn something new that might make you just a little bit more efficient, capable, whatever it may be. Never stop learning. Knowing God through study and experience. I purposely said when I was interviewing the the women, It's not about information. It's about transformation. Somewhere in our minds, we think more information is good. And it's good. But it's short-sighted when it's not transformational. We've all met people. We've all been in situations where we would say, I knew better. I knew better. Well, you had the information without the transformation. I had the information without the transformation. Know God through study and experience. Experiencing the beliefs and the truth you're learning in relationship with him. Skilled living gets its start in the fear of God, insight into life from knowing a holy God. Fear of God. Remember when I was a kid, I was scared of my dad. Rightfully so. He was a disciplinarian. It wrecked my life. Look at me today. You know, no, it, it was a day. If I got, if I stepped out of line, I was in trouble. That fear, though, changed as years have gone on. Today, I don't fear my dad for punishment. I have a fear that's really grown over into a respect and an awe for who he is. Now I want to please him, not because I'm trying to avoid a spanking. I want to please him because I value him and I love him and I'm in awe of him. And, and that causes me to have, in a sense, a fear of him. And it flows into my life. Same thing when it comes spiritually, when it comes to who God is. Yes, there should be a little fear. He's God Almighty. 
but hopefully that's not because he's going to slap you down the minute you step out of line. You have an awe because it's God Almighty. And now you want to please him not to avoid punishment, not to avoid problems in life, which can happen when you follow him. You avoid some things. But you follow him because you're just captivated by who he is, how he loves you, and how he wants to be a part of your everyday life. Jesus says this very familiar passage. I I love the way, again, Eugene Peterson renders it. Jesus is talking about truth, and we'll jump into the next uh, verse here. Um, He says this, These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. It's not like a smorgasbord. I'll take a little bit of this, take a little bit of that. I don't want any of that. It's not like that. Additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. Sometimes are we, are we just trying to honor God so that things go well, so that, you know, life is a little bit easier, so we have more money, so God blesses us? You know, it's, it's, not, it's not about that. These are foundational words. Words to live, uh, to build our life on. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on a solid rock. Rain poured down. The rivers flooded. A tornado hit. But nothing moved that house because it was fixed to the rock. That's where Daniel and his friends were. Wiped out. Storm of life. Yet they were fixed to the rock. Because they had someone, them themselves, engaged in a belief system that they were always learning, always growing. And nothing moved the house. But if you just look at my, use my words in Bible studies... And don't work them into your life. You ever been guilty of that? You know all these little facts. You're sitting in a Bible. Oh, I know that. I can see, you know. But, but when it comes to showing up in your life, they're not there. Whoops. You got them for Bible studies. It's for more than that. And don't work them into your life. You are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. People's response to Jesus' words was this. When Jesus concluded his address, the crowd burst into applause. They had never heard teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying. Quite a contrast to their religious teaching. This was the best teaching they had ever heard. You want to grow? You get to know God. get to study God. And then you get to experience that in your everyday life. Also, it involves choosing wise Christian following friends. That's not because they wear the label of being a Christ follower that, wow, this is, these are going to be people that I kind of like copy, model my life after. They need to be wise followers. Wise followers. Doesn't mean you don't have any friends outside of, of, of church world, of Christian world, all those kinds of things. You hear me say it all the time. Doesn't mean you have a holy huddle, but it means you choose wise friends who can speak into your life. Daniel makes it, I think, because he had three friends that were on the same page. We're going to see later on that those three friends stand up even when Daniel's not around. They, they, they were a community group. They were a small group together. Walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffer harm. Hebrews reminds us to gather together so we can spur one another on towards good works, good deeds. 
And, and don't, don't minimize the habit of getting together. You see, we make our teaching plan, our training plan, and our training plan makes us. So what are you going to do with that? Worst thing you can do is just feel guilty and broken about it. Best thing you can do is feel great about it and go, wow, I've got to look at my training plan. I've got to see, I've got to think, have I, what am I reading? What am I joining? How am I thinking? How am I putting deposits in the bank account of my spiritual life so that when the storms come, when I get trapped and I get stuck, I actually have something to make a withdrawal with. So this is good news, not bad news. This is good news, not burdensome news. This is solid advice on how to prepare for the storms of a broken world that all of us, all of us experience and will experience. If you're not in the middle of it right now, you will be. You will be. It's the world we live in. So this is good news. How is your plan making you? Remember, no plan is a plan. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for this morning. We thank you that we can just think about these heavy thoughts, not easy thoughts, but uh, hopeful thoughts. No matter where any of us are at, no matter if we're semi-unconvinced or we are convinced, uh, there is hope for us in what takes place in the life of Daniel and his friends. Help us to see it. Help us to think about it. Help us not to let a day or two go by without asking ourselves, what kind of plan is making me in my life? Lord, help us with this. Help us to have people in our lives that encourage us and strengthen us and move us this way. We're thankful that you care enough to share enough of this information with us. But we pray that it wouldn't just be information, it would be transformation. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.